This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with you. The unpacking it community of sports fans. We are less than a week away from the Super Bowl Bengals Rams. It's going to be awesome. We'll talk all about it today. We'll also talk about the wild coaching carousel that continues to spin with new twists and turns. And it's, it's been remarkable to follow. And so we got, Action coming back on the field this week. And it's funny because, you know, this was the first weekend this past weekend with no real football. Whatever they call the Pro Bowl is, is some semblance of it. Uh, but, but man, it was weird to, to kind of flip the switch a little bit for me. Watched a ton of college basketball. I'll talk about Duke UNC in a moment. And then the NBA. And so I'm, I'm starting to get a taste. I was getting real excited about March Madness earlier. But then, so it's like we kind of forget about football for just for a moment, knowing that, well, yeah, the Super Bowl is coming up. It's coming up. Well, now it's week up. And so now we switch back and we go, all right, we're all in. It's Super Bowl week. Let the hype build. Let's take a look at the matchup, the storylines, what's happening. And I always love all the, you know, the interviews from the week, press conferences, media day. It's all great. So uh, I'll try to soak in as much as I can this week. And here at Unpacking It, We've got a very exciting event coming up this Saturday. It's called Super Saturday. Now, we have listeners all over the place, and you're probably not able to come to Charlotte. But for those listeners in Charlotte, uh, we have a special event coming up on Saturday. You can find out details, unpackingit.com slash Super Saturday. And for those of you that that you know can't make it, but you're a listener of the podcast, be looking out because we will post the event I'm interviewing a panel of former NFL players, Nate Sally, Hailey Taylor, and Nate Clements. Uh, we'll share that interview with you. Uh, so, so be on the lookout for that, uh, that panel conversation about the Super Bowl faith and life. And we'll also have video from it as well. So you can check out those on our YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to YouTube. Find us in Apple Podcasts. Thanks to everybody that listens to the show live on, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, greatly appreciate all of our listeners. All right, today on the show, we will also uh, do Tap Drill with Henry Bieniemy. He's with us, and so we'll talk to him in a moment. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on the Pro Bowl during that segment, the Olympics, the NBA trade deadline, and some of the other topics from the sports weekend. And today's Unpack This is about the Cincinnati Bengals. And the one description or trait or characteristic that is really the key to their success and, and I would argue is the key to us, you know, really living a, a fruitful, victorious life. One of the characteristics that we can represent 
in our own lives. And, and so we'll, we'll discuss that in just a little bit. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, MediShare. They are a biblical, affordable alternative to health insurance, and they've got over 400,000 members. My wife and I, we are one of them and, and thrilled to, to be able to uh, tell you about MediShare. And, and really, you know, they've provided us an affordable and effective way to pay for health care. And, and so they're, they're kind of an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. So text the word UNPACK to the number 201201. Just text the word UNPACK to the number 201201 to find out some information uh, about MediShare and figure out if it's the right fit for you. Uh, we will do the MediShare moment in just a little bit, and it involves golf. That's right. We'll have a moment of golf talk here on the show today because it was an unbelievable scene uh, that I want to talk about uh, during the MediShare moment of the week. All right, we're also going to let you know what we're convinced of. Let's say hello to Luke. Let's figure out what he's convinced of. And and you that, that are listening live, you can uh, let us know what you're convinced of in the chat as well. Luke, man, it's a big week. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. You're, we're talking golf today? I mean, come on. <clears throat> this is fantastic. I'm rocking my Byron Nelson golf school hat, so shout out. Um, you know I'm always down to talk some golf. And when we get to the MetaShare, I was watching it. When we All get right. to it, we're teasing it. Whatever what you're going to say is the MetaShare moment. I watched it live. Oh, you did? It, okay. It cool. was fantastic. So we'll get to that. Um, and I know we're going to possibly hit on Olympics in Tap Drill. And if you're watching, stick around for Tap Drill. It's a fun segment. But right now, I, I didn't know I was convinced of this until about 48 hours ago. Ooh. I'm sitting watching the Olympics with my wife, Madeline. Also, shout out to her. She just signed up for a sprint triathlon. So oh uh, she's an absolute stud. And I also signed up uh, as her encourager. So I uh, didn't <laughs> sign up to participate, signed up to encourage. So I can uh, do that. that's, that's fair. right. So that's what I'm telling people. Yeah, I signed up too, to encourage. Um, and we're sitting on the couch watching the Olympics. And I'm thinking to myself, man, are the Summer Olympics just so superior to the Winter Olympics? Oh, yeah. I, and I, but growing up, there's this certain magic to the Winter Olympics. It's sports you never get to watch. The figure skating, the luge, the bobsled, the ski jump. Now, if you had a Wii Fit board growing up, shout out to the people who had a Wii Fit board. Ski jump was the best sport. If you know, oh, I never did that. you know. If you know, you know. If you don't know, just forget, forget what I said. But if you know about the Wii Fit board, ski jump was where it's at. But what, what, what I think makes the Summer Olympics the best is there's so much more. So many more sports. The Winter Olympics are great. Figure skating, I'm dialed in. But when what? they go to when they really? go to 45 minutes of luge, like come on. Oh, I, I like how many luge. times can I watch luge over and over and over again? Where a Summer Olympics, there's so many sports and they're they're able to kind of hop back and forth so you don't get I don't know if bored's the right word, but there's just not that many sports in the Winter Olympics. So again, when you get stuck on a sport like luge, for, for 45 minutes, like, all right, we, they can't hop around. There's not as much going on. So I'm officially convinced the Summer Olympics are superior to the Winter Olympics. Did I hear you say you're locked in on ice skating? Wait, are you, are you telling me you watch Dancing with the Stars as well? Well, so <laughs> it's funny that, you bring man. that up. I grew up in a Dancing with the Stars family. So uh, oh. you better believe I would come home from basketball practice, straight home from varsity practice, and would watch Dancing with the Stars with the family. 
so no shame. This is, this is I, I, we got to take it. We got to take it to the fans. All week, and we're talking figure skating. All right, no, enough, no. enough of this. Enough I, of this. We got to take it to the fans. I'm willing to bet a majority of listeners love figure skating. Stop Come it. on. No oh, no, no it's way. unbelievable. We may have to disagree here, but watching figure skating, what they're able to do, uh, a, a Russian skater yesterday set a record, the first woman to land a quad jump. I'm dialed in here. It's unbelievable. What they do, uh, we can't even imagine to begin trying. I, I try to skate backwards. That When I go ice skate, I'm like, let's see if I can skate backwards. They skate better than I walk. They literally skate better than I'm able to walk on hard surface. So I, I'm just mesmerized by what they do. So I, so I am all in on figure skating. That is funny. So I was watching some of the skiing last night. So I'm not a big Winter Olympics guy either, um, but but I like the skiing because I'm a skier myself. But Jody came in and she's like, is that how you ski? And like the funny thing about skiing is, well, yeah, but I just can't ski that fast. Like, cause skiing is kind of like, if you get, if you get it down and you understand how to do it, like, yeah, yeah you just ski. But now of course they can take it to another level. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but it's the speed that's so impressive that just makes it like, they make it look easy, but it's unbelievable just how fast they fly down a mountain. The, um, the giant slalom when they're just going, they're, it looks like they're going a thousand miles an hour. And oh when God. they're turning their skis are 90 degrees on the snow. Are you kidding me? When, yeah. when I, when I see a, I don't dare go down uh, blacks or black diamonds. I stick on the blues. But when it's a steep blue, I mean, I'm going side to side 150 times. I'm not. There's no chance I'm going straight down. When you pick no. up that kind of speed, it's terrifying. It is. So no, it's, 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 it's impressive. Makes you nervous for sure. Uh, but, yeah, we'd love to hear the listeners' thoughts on the Winter Olympics. What's your strategy? Yeah, where probably... are my figure skating fans at? Let, uh, let us here. know. Come on. Come get to my, come to my uh, protection here. Uh, thankfully Jody does my wife she doesn't she's not into figure skating so I'm not I'm not watching that um we won't we won't show little Maddie that either we'll do some skiing I like the luge I like the skeleton the skeleton's incredible the bobsled that's what I'm I'm here for in regards to the Winter Olympics but it's Super Bowl week and here's what I'm convinced of I'm convinced that I wish teams who win the Super Bowl or make it to the Super Bowl they do it with the majority of their stars being those who became stars for that franchise. And with the, the hmm. Rams, it's just a little bittersweet to think that your quarterback, he's a Detroit Lion. He could pretend to put on the Rams jersey, but Matthew Stafford is a Detroit Lion. That's where he spent his majority of the majority of his career, and that's that will always be the case. He may spend yeah. the next couple of years in, in LA, but he will always be a lion. That's who drafted mm. him. That's where he learned. That's where he grew. That's where he matured. True. And he's winning with another franchise. It just doesn't seem right. Andrew Whitworth, you know, big offensive lineman, unbelievable talent. <laughs> he was a Cincinnati Bengal, and now he's going to be on the opposite sideline. Mm. Vaughn Miller is a Denver Bronco, a Super Bowl winning Denver Bronco. Jalen Ramsey didn't spend that much time in, in Jacksonville, but still, they, they drafted him. OBJ, yeah. unfortunately for him, he's kind of a nomad at this point. He doesn't, he's <laughs> kind of his own guy. He's kind of his own guy, but I'm not sure he's a Ram uh, in particular. <laughs> and it kind of hit me yesterday. I was talking to some guys after church, and a guy is like, ah, I just can't root for the Rams because they bought uh, you know, this team, basically. You know, went out, paid for these guys, and traded for guys, mortgage the future, all that kind of thing. And, and so 
I think I'm convinced that I don't like that on the surface, but the reality is if you're a Rams fan, just win. Just give me, just give me the best players I can get. And so ultimately it doesn't really matter. Best case scenario is you, you, you grow those guys up with your own franchise, but uh, you embrace if you're winning. And so Von Miller will become a legend if he can bring and help contribute to a championship this year. And Matthew Stafford, of course, will be a hero, just like Tom Brady was with the Bucs. Yeah. Tom Brady, of course, is always a Patriot. Like Peyton Manning, I forgot that he even won with Denver. I was I was asked a trivia question the other day and totally <laughs> forgot about the Peyton Manning. Mean, of course, I, I remember it, but it was like that wasn't yeah. on top of mind. So that's what I'm, I'm convinced and of. And he, uh, he didn't necessarily uh... – Contribute as much. Contribute as much. Um, So I think this is a great take. And the the epitome of this on a team that drafts their players and wins a championship. Because when when those teams win it all, in any sport where where players enter through a draft into the league, you can't hate them. There is no argument to hate a team who drafts their players, develops them, and wins. Golden State Warriors, prior to Kevin Durant, Yep. They drafted Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, Clay, and Steph Curry. Love it. You, there is no logic. You cannot hate them. They drafted their guys, developed them, and they won. And it just feels way better. That's why Dirk, his loyalty to the Mavs, the fact that he was able to get a ring with Dallas, he stayed. If it, it's And think of your favorite team. You love the players that your team found, discovered, yeah. grew, a player that grows with your franchise. They're automatically more lovable. So when yeah. they win, oh, it feels fantastic. But it when does. you're the Rams, now, are they going to be happy if they win the Super Bowl? Well, no doubt. We're not debating that. But the satisfaction kind of in your heart as a sports fan, like Rams fans, first of all, we don't even necessarily know who Rams fans are. That's a whole other discussion now that they're back in L.A. But it's an all-star team. So it it's less satisfaction as if, I don't know, your team, if the Lions would have found a way to win with Stafford. Oh, oh come on. That's right. And that's why that's why the Cincinnati story is so special. And, yes. and even though Burrow's young in his career, Chase is a rookie, uh, they're they're building something. They've they've already built. And those, are those are their guys. Those are their guys. Yes. And it's so, there's something special about that. But I would even say I'll this is the other side of it. I think this is too early for Cincinnati. I, I'm convinced I would rather see the teams that it takes a while to build hmm. instead of that early success. But what we found in today's NFL, teams win with their quarterbacks early. And, you know, think about it. Green Bay won early with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Patrick Mahomes with, with Kansas City won yeah. early. So, Russell so Wilson that, won early. Russell Wilson, Seattle. So that's kind of the, the norm. Um, so you understand it and you see it, and that's what Cincinnati's experiencing. So, th- again, there's no guarantee that they'll be back, and we kind of talked about that last week. Uh, so they got to win now. This is Cincinnati's chance. And so we'll talk about Cincinnati uh, in, in a moment. Um, the, the other thing that I'm, I'm convinced of today, it was funny. People were asking me uh, Saturday night, hey, are you watching the, the Duke game tonight? And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> of course, I had two different texts that were almost questioning if the Duke-UNC rivalry was still alive and if I was still watching. Of course I'm watching it. And I just want – I understand college basketball isn't the same as it once was. When I was growing up, college basketball was awesome. And I was – The era hard. of the big uh, undershirt, the big white yeah. undershirt. Let's any, go. Any, any team that had a player like that is to be feared. 
What a great right. the the baggier uniforms. Oh, fantastic. It was a it was another era. And so it's not the same anymore. I, I get that. And like when I was growing up as a Duke fan in Charlotte and everybody was a Tar Heel fan, those Mondays after the big game were intense. Like yep. I was either wearing all my Duke gear or I was hiding from people on Monday. <laughs> and and so there were, I mean, the, the, especially in middle school when you're just a moron, you know, you just the things you say and the things, you know, just the trash talking. It was great. So it all, so I still reached out to all my friends from, you know, I sent all those texts on Saturday to all my Tar Heel friends. Oh yeah. But I didn't, but I'm, I've now matured enough. I didn't do it after the game as much, unless there was mm. some, some conversation going on. It's the morning, um, the morning, the morning after. Yes. Yeah. You got to get, let them, let them cool down a little bit. Uh, but anyway, it was a great win for Duke dominating win. It was unreal, but I'm actually convinced I'd rather the game be close as fun as it is to blow out the rival. You want it to come down to the wire. Yeah. Come on. Years ago, Austin rivers hit a buzzer yeah, beater. That's going to bring up. Oh, yeah, when no more a couple years ago, buzzer beater. So those are the types of plays that, that truly make the games memorable. This one Saturday night was not memorable, uh, but it does feel, feel good to get the win. There's yeah, no I mean, this is almost like a philosophy of sports fandom is you want to see close games, even if it's your team playing. I want to see a close game. Now, maybe I took this too far, but I, maybe I've said this before. I remember freshman year in high school, freshman basketball team. We, we had a really good team. We won. We lost. We lost like one or two games that season. And I remember during some games and we would be up 25 points in the fourth quarter. I was secretly hoping the other team would come back to make it a close game. Because <laughs> yep. when I'm playing it's or when you're watching a game, it's, it's boring. And we talked it about is. this before. So even if it's your team, especially a rivalry game, you want it to be close. You want it to come it down to the wire. That's when it's at its peak entertainment. And especially actually, for Coach K's last run, a down-to-the-wire game would have been perfect. I know. Oh. I know. But he got to, he got to leave with his, his head held high, that's for sure. So that's always a good thing. Um, all right. One other thing I'm convinced though, but we'll talk about it a little bit later. I'm convinced the NFL should get rid of the draft. I'll just leave that there. Uh, let me, let me leave that there. Stick okay. around. We'll, we'll so, talk about that. Well, we won't get into it, but your comment there makes me think you are destined to be a soccer fan. And I know you, Ooh. you just talk trash about soccer and being a fan of soccer. Hey, I'm a Chelsea fan. Go blues. But you being anti-draft, I think you're destined to be an international soccer fan. So I'll just leave it at that as well. We'll circle back. It might be more likely I'm going to watch figure skating next week. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good investment of your time. I would be in full support of that. <laughs> I'd be more likely I'm watching Dancing with the Stars. I don't know. We'll see. All right, real quick, let's hear what, uh, let's hear what Henry's convinced of, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into unpack this. Henry, how are you, man? What What's going doing? on? What's going on, boys? Now, I have to follow figure skating, international soccer and football. You've covered it all today. Right. <laughs> now, a couple of weeks back and we were just talking about this before we got on air. Uh, I said that football is the ultimate uh, reality show. I've gone. We're, we're going way past that now. Uh, I know what we talked about, but I, it just came to me. Football is not a soap opera. Football is like that late night infomercial. The one on QVC or HSN or whichever it is these days. And you're like, hmm, I think I might need that. And then they say, but wait, there is more. In, the, like two weeks, in the two weeks that you think you could come up for here. Hey, wait a minute. 
Don't forget about this. We got Brian Flores about to blow up the NFL. He's making all of these allegations. You can't leave now. It's that Easter egg at the end of the Marvel movie that keeps you interested. That keeps you interested so much so that you have to stay in your seat and be like, who's getting fired now? What's yes. the what's the drama now? And then all of a sudden, boom, here comes the Super Bowl. Before uh, you even know it. Before you even know it, it's like, wait a minute, what happened? We thought that the two weeks, we thought back in the day that the two-week period was a disastrous idea. Now, all of a sudden, we can't get enough of it. Two weeks flew by, and the Super Bowl is this Sunday. That's right. Well, it's only been a week. We all, it's only been a week. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe it's felt like two weeks, actually, Henry. Well, right now. <laughs> What? I think you're, you're on to something. I'm just not so sure about the Easter egg at the end of the Marvel movie. So other than that, it was a great case. I don't know. I, so, no, go ahead, Luke. Go ahead, Luke. I, I was going to say, what Henry says reminds me, we've talked about all season. This is one of the greatest NFL seasons we've ever watched. The playoffs, the regular season. Yep. We need to have a, a borderline therapy session when the season ends. Because <laughs> how great this season was. We're about to have no football and that now we are, we are fans of other sports. And the great thing about this podcast is we have other sports we're going to discuss as well. It's just been heavy football, but man, like every year it's sad. There's no football. And then the countdown clock of it's this many days, this many months, but this season, it feels different. It feels different. No, I don't disagree with you, but I think to Henry's point, the drama continues. I mean, just think about, we don't need to talk about today, but all of the off-season questions, the Aaron Rodgers drama, now that Brady has officially retired, the domino effect of that, all these new coaching situations, it, it changes things. New you know, free agents will now go to different teams because of this. Russell Wilson, I don't think, is, is completely settled on Seattle. <laughs> His name is still out there. Yeah. Um, the Pittsburgh quarterback situation is fascinating. Uh, a, a number of topics around the league. So we will have plenty to discuss this is true. in the NFL moving true. forward. So that's, that, that to me is, is what we, we get excited It's borderline about. coming uh, for the label transactional league. Uh, well, not transactional, but just off the field, off the court news, which is what the NBA typically is. I mean, we tune in for trades, the draft, off the court stuff in the NBA. The NFL is uh, coming for that title, which is so. Your point is true. I guess I was just more saying it's gonna be it's gonna be sad not being able to watch a game, especially after how great of a season this was. Because when it's when it comes end of August, September, and those first games start happening, and I don't and I hear Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, whatever you think of them, when I hear oh, their voices, that's what you want to oh, say. It's just. Jim- <laughs> Not Jim, not Jim Nance or and Tony Romo. That's right. Come on, pick 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 a side. Pick a right. Pick the right side. The not- the emotional connection to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman as a kid hearing those voices when I heard those voices and then the Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth Sunday Night Football. Oh come on, no homework was getting done those nights, bro. No chance. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> All right, well, good stuff. So that's what we're convinced of. Let us know what you're convinced of. Leave your comments. Uh, wherever you're listening right now, you can always email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. Each week on the show, we do a segment called Unpack This, where we take a, a, a sports topic related to the Bible, related to our own lives. This also goes out through email, and so you can subscribe to the email devotional that we call Unpack This by going to our website, unpackingit.com slash subscribe. 
And today I want to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. As I thought about this topic and wrote about this topic, part of me started thinking, wait, am I going to root for the Bengals this weekend? Possibly. Mm. Possibly. I think I'm on the Rams bandwagon, but like I said, with I'm convinced, uh, it makes me second guess my my allegiance. You're in the minority on the Rams band. The whole whole world is rooting for the Bengals, which makes sense, but... And I usually like to go the opposite. So just like I was telling you, I was the only Duke fan in middle school. So part, part of the deal. Um, but, but you know, what's that? I'll say you're making it sound like you were like a, a Tennessee Tech fan in in uh, Carolina territory. Like, oh, you're a fan of a terrible team. I'm staying true to you, them. You got to remember when I became a fan, this was when UNC was had Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson. They were wow, better. Yeah. UNC was better. And I went the other direction with Steve Wojciechowski. That was that was their guy. Grant Hill played a role in me becoming a Duke fan as well. But um, but anyway, so that's that we'll talk I, more I will about say that. I don't know if you remember this name. Shout out to my boy Andre Buckner, two thousand one national championship team. He he didn't get many minutes, but he was my basketball coach in the summers growing up. So he was on the 01 championship team for the Duke Your, team, huh? The Duke team, yeah, two thousand one. Andre Buckner, his uh, wow. older brother George or Greg Buckner played in the NBA, but had to had to shout shout that out. So maybe you're not as diehard as we thought. Maybe no not. knowledge that's of Andre Buckner. That's a deep cut. I, I remember <laughs> Andre Dawkins. I, I don't remember about that. Um, but one of the big questions, you know, the last few weeks is how in the world are the Cincinnati Bengals beating Tennessee, Kansas City, yeah. and now in the Super Bowl? And so it's just like, wait. What, what is happening? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we look at the roster and we go, well, Joe Burrow's really good. We saw what he did at LSU. He was a number one pick. Jamar Chase, very talented. Okay. Joe Mixon has been a, a relatively you know, top 10 running back for the last five and years. And a anyway. fantasy machine. Fantasy machine, oftentimes during that, that run. And, and so there's still, though, this kind of disconnect of like, wait a second. This team, they won two games two years ago, four last year, and now all of a sudden they're, they're winning. What is the key to their success? Hmm. I found it. I figured it out. Ooh, so let's I did, go. I did some research, and here is what one of my favorites, Tony Dungy. I got my Colts hat hanging in the studio. A new addition to the wall. It is. I found you're sending, all my you're sending, uh, you're sending indirect, passive-aggressive signals on you still want this, uh, this Eric Dickerson signed mini helmet. So you're putting well, Colts stuff on your wall now. I didn't tell you. I just bought one. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, because since you wouldn't give it to me, I just bought one. So I'm going to send you. you it now. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, so this is what Tony Dungy he tweeted out. He said, I'm in Cincinnati today interviewing players and coaches for NBC's Super Bowl broadcast. It's, it's been amazing to see the energy in the city surrounding the Bengals. So many of the players like T. Higgins have talked about unselfishness as being the key to their turnaround. There it is. Unselfishness. All right, you say, okay, well, yeah, teams should be unselfish. Okay, fine. Let's take it a step further. Here's what Joe Burrow told uh, CBS. Everyone knows how good they are, talking about his weapons, as players. But not everyone knows how good they are as people. Really unselfish guys that don't care who gets the shine. Hmm. All right? So those are the players. So we're talking about, you know, three stud wide receivers, Boyd, Higgins, Chase, plus a star running back, Joe Mixon. All right, well, what about the head coach? Here's what D'Angelo Hall, of all people, he was on NFL Network, Good Morning America. Interesting. Interesting character, good player for Falcon. <laughs> now he's an analyst. Um, I guess he played for Washington too, but he, this is what he yeah. said. He said, you know, the thing that's really impressed me about 
Zach Taylor is really his selflessness. Hmm. When you think about the way he leads this football team, it's not about him. It's not about taking credit or getting credit. And I think you see that in the way the team rallies behind him, rallies behind everyone in that locker room. To me, when you have that kind of dynamic going on in your building, that's how you win. I love this. So I am all in on this being the secret sauce for the Bengals. And let's face it, this is rare in sports, in life. Very rare. Think about people that you know who are truly unselfish, selfless, who aren't me-focused. And and especially in sports, it's all about me-focused. It's all about, hey, look at me. After every first down, look at me. And, And so... Not to say that they, I'm sure some of these guys have some arrogant qualities to them and and all that sort of thing, but to have the overall, this this is what analysts are showing up, they're covering the team, they're trying to get a gauge of what this team is all about, and what's bubbling to the top is this is an unselfish, selfless team from the top down, from the head coach down. Mm -hmm. And and so when, when you have three stud wide receivers, you would think one of them would be demanding the ball all the time, right? Well, historically speaking, I mean, that's the norm, right? These guys growing up were the best out of anyone they played with. They're the best middle school player. They're the best high school player. They're one of the best in college. And to go to the NFL and still be one of the best, and you got people in your corner, hey, get your catches. You got to get yours. You got to get yours. You got to get paid. And we've talked about an an unpacked lunch recently, our our weekly call, Talking Sports and Faith, with a bunch of uh, people, a part of the Unpacking It community. It's all these big contracts, when people are asking for more for more money, it's not because they want a lifestyle. It's because the amount of money I get tells everyone else that I'm better than everyone. If someone gets more money than me, mm. that is an indictment on saying, well, people are going to think I'm not as good. So that that is the norm. So the fact that a whole team is discussing, like, they're all multiple studs and stars who could be selfish and who... Uh, most of times a level, a player of that talent would be demanding, would be selfish. They're all saying, yeah, this team is real selfless. Your franchise quarterback, Joe Burrow, who of all players in the NFL, he has every right based on the norm to be demanding, to say, I'm going to do whatever I want and make myself look good. He's talking about selflessness. It's just unbelievable. This whole team, it's just, it's fantastic. It's cool. So, you know, I I think the willingness that the other wide receivers on games that they're not getting their touches or their catches, their targets, word I'm looking for, um, you know, they're willing to block. And maybe it's more of a run-heavy day where Mixon's going to get fed a lot more. And so on those games, willing to block. And so that's part of that that selflessness. Uh, And then even just celebrating one another and, and just sticking together, and they're winning together. And so... The question is, you know, what about you and I? Are, are we living lives focused on our own stats and touches and targets while you know, making sure that, that we get to shine and we receive the credit? Or are we following Jesus and asking him to transform our, self, our selfishness into selflessness as we desire to value the interests of others more than ourselves? Hmm. And, and so we can ask ourselves, are we self-serving or do we have a passion to serve others? Do we chase what's best for us or what's best for the, the quote unquote team? 
And, yep. and do we realize that that unselfishness and surrender is the key to our turnaround? And we're wondering, you know, what was the turnaround for the Bengals? Well, they got this unselfish team. And so we're yep. wondering, ah, why isn't life, you know, going the, the, my direction and, or whatever, not going, you know, hey, stop thinking so much about yourself, right? And, and I'm speaking to myself. And, and, and start looking outward and start serving people. And, and you'll start experiencing more joy and more fruit and more satisfaction and more fulfillment in life some of those things that you thought you should be chasing or want to chase, you realize, nah, 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 I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm serving other people. I'm thinking about other people. I'm meeting people in, in their needs. I'm meeting people in their brokenness. I'm building people up. I'm encouraging people. And yeah. instead of thinking, oh man, you know, no one ever reaches out to me or no one ever calls me. Well, be the one to call or be the one to, to build someone up or, yeah. um, oh man, I want to get, I want to get the credit. How about go give someone else credit? And then who knows? Maybe you'll get the credit later on and, and that's fine. Everybody wins. But but that's kind of the the, the 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 shift that we have to make. And trust me, I am I struggle with this. Once I got married, I realized it. Added daughter number one, realized <laughs> it. Daughter number two. Okay, wow, I still have even more selfishness <laughs> to get rid of. And, yep. and my time gets squeezed out more and more. But am I willing to sacrifice for what's best for the team, what's best for my family, what's best for my wife? Uh, or am I going to just you know be selfish and, and head down to the basement and watch football all day every day? Those are the well, options. It's a good point, and I think it's important to realize one, it's not about us. Like nothing in this life, in this world, is about us. It's all about God and His glory. What God, what God wants to do is bring glory to Himself. That's what God does. He brings glory to Himself. And you know what's amazing? He created us to be satisfied by Him getting glory, and. He created us to be able to share in uh, the love he gives. He offers redemption to us through Christ. But nothing is about you and me. And it's just, it's important to remember that. And I think it's also important to talk about, to, to realize being selfless actually goes against everything in us. Like, as born as sinful people, mm. we automatically think of ourselves all the time. Everything is made about us. Even after we've been saved and we've been given the Holy Spirit, it, it's still that daily battle of daily aiming to be that daily surrender of being made more and more like Christ. And this year, personally, I, I think of like a phrase or kind of a word. And this year, it's self forgetfulness. Read a book by Timothy Keller, "The Freedom of Self Forgetfulness," and. It was just amazing. Uh, it's just a 40-page book. would highly recommend it on just how easy it is to think about yourself and how following Christ is about it's about getting your eyes off of yourself, fixing them, mm. on, fixing them on God, His glory, fixing them on, on Christ and following after Jesus. It's just hard to do that, though. Born as sinful people, being selfless is a 180 from our natural instincts that's completely focused on self. So that's right. A it's, daily battle. Well, and we're, you know, the world teaches us. So it's, it's our, our own sinful nature, the brokenness that, that we come into this world with. And then the world pushes that for sure. It's this whole idea that you got, you got to look out for number one, right? We've heard that saying it's make sure we get ours. Oh, I just got to get mine. Right. <laughs> you got to love that. You got to love that. And, and so you can go on and on. But there's, you know, the, I don't know the, why the thought in my head just popped up is you and your old swimming days beating someone in the freestyle hundred. I'm just getting mine. Young Bryce Johnson. I'm just, he's just getting his, he's just getting his. I was thinking about me in a speedo. That's cool. Luke. That's cool. <laughs> okay. Luke. 
Get some ice skating. Get some ice skating. Yeah, I hear you, man. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. But but here, you know, so that's what the world pushes, right? You got You got to. It's all about number one. Number one. Um, and I'm not. Sure hope one. my wife isn't listening to this episode. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but the Bible teaches a much different uh, approach, and and you know in the long run this is this leads to winning. This leads to a fruitful, victorious life. Ultimately, victory is found in Christ. And then as we follow Him, as we live in this 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 mentality of how, how can I lay down my life for Him, for others, surrender, sacrifice, serve. Uh, Philippians it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And the message uh, Bible paraphrase uh, for Philippians 2, 1 through 4, it says this, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. So mm. I kind of love the, the uh, practicality or the simplicity of that, it, it just the, the, the language of that. So uh, that resonates with me and is encouraging to me because, again, it's all about uh, me, me, me. We put ourselves out on social media. Look at me. How about me? And we think about me, just like you were talking about, Luke. Uh, but as we look to the Bengals and we're seeing their success, it's, hey, look to my offensive line. Uh, actually, they, they don't have a great offensive line. Look at the different wide receivers, right? That's probably a better <laughs> example. You know, hey, look at Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase is saying, hey, T. Higgins, unselfish player. Yeah. Uh, and and kind of on and on. And so that's uh, that's pretty cool. So, um, so our encouragement today Let's uh, let's ask God to reveal the selfishness that we have in our lives and, and allow him to help us become less me focused so that we're willing to, to let our teammates shine, celebrate others and even you know block for for one another, so to speak, like like wide receivers block for the running back. Um, yeah. And then let's let's actually enjoy the blessings that come from living in an unselfish life as we choose to be more like Jesus, whose selflessness actually gives us life. Yeah, um, I mean, come on. I mean, literally, God stepping out of heaven, taking on flesh in the person of Christ, and laying down his life. Like, are you serious? Uh, that That is what I—and he, he calls us to be selfless. Hey, be selfless. I mean, we will never, ever reach that point of selflessness. But we can try, and we're called to try. I think it's— your power. And yeah, of course, yeah, empowered by his spirit— also don't want the conversation to turn into, okay, well, the world says you got to get yours. You got to look at, look after for number one. I think that's so funny. It's so so corny. Um, and it's like, oh, it but. Song, I know, am number one. Who is that, Nelly? Right. <laughs> but, um, but, oh, but God's telling me I, I got to be selfless. And it's almost like a burden to be selfless. But mm. that's just not the case. Like the joy that comes with being selfless. Like when everything's not about you. That is actually so freeing. I had a moment the other day where I was up in front of some people um, at a at an event, and I was I was kind of getting nervous about my performance, what I was going to do, what people were thinking of me, and I was just praying, God, help me. It's not about me. I'm not here to make everything about me. Nothing is about me. Just help get my eyes off myself. And the 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 peace, the freedom of knowing, 
whatever happens, however I perform, that actually has no indication on who I am. I'm my, mm-hmm. I'm already been given an identity in Christ. Nothing actually is about me. I can take a step back and not have to get mine in order to prove myself. I don't have to build up this personal brand because it's all worthless eventually. The only thing that lasts we see for Scripture is God's promises. God's Word always lasts. Um, and we also look at Scripture. God, this is just such a great topic. I'm getting, getting fired up here. But one of, the th- one of the themes in the New Testament we see all the time, love for the fellow brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul talks about that all the time. Huge theme of Paul is love the fellow brothers and sisters. We're going through 1 Peter in church. 1 Peter 1, uh, you've been saved, you've been purified in order to love the brothers and sisters in Christ around you. That is such a consistent theme. One of the number one practical ways to live out your faith is loving one another, loving your brother and sisters in Christ, loving everyone around you. Now, holding the conversation how you define that love, but the point is, look outside yourself. So read God's Word as a, as a general uh, discipline to live by, and you see following Christ is looking outside of yourself, fixing your eyes on Jesus and looking to love your neighbor as well. It's just, it, it's impossible to miss. So this topic is something to think about every single day. Absolutely. And I'm, yeah, I'm reminded of it uh, every day probably as well. And I think, oh man, I'm so selfish. I got to go upstairs and help with the dishes, <laughs> right? I want to go down and watch and watch the game. And it's yeah. like, no, I, my, my wife needs me right now. And sometimes it's those simple, practical ways to live out of our, or get rid of that, that selfishness. So yep. I'm a work in progress. Let me tell you, or ask Jody, she'll tell you, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm thankful for God's grace and Jody's grace, but, but I think this message, I absolutely believe that it's true that a life, a selfless life is better than an unselfish life. Oh, no, doubt. we have to push against it. We have to yes. push against it. And it's hard because everything else is, is pushing us toward the selfish life. Yep. Um, and an, an, an unselfish football team is easier to root for. That's who oh, I want to yeah. root for. Those 100%. are the players I want to root for. So I'm, I'm finding myself, I'm not rooting against the Bengals. I just, I like the Rams heading into the year. I like the Matthew Stafford story. And so I'm, I'm just probably yeah. a little bit more drawn to the Rams in this game. And I also think they're going to win. And uh, even though I've thought the Bengals would lose the last two weeks, so I, you know, whatever, but, but it's easier. Yes. It's more fun to, to root for the team that's going to win. Let me just say that <laughs> okay. it, makes, it makes the Super Bowl more enjoyable. Um, so that's that's my my prediction and expectation. Yes. So well, I was thinking about the Super Bowl, and I was thinking, is there a villain? Like, is this has there been a Super Bowl with two more likable quarterbacks going against each other? Like, is is there a villain? Even I guess you could play the villain card. Oh, it's all star team versus team that drafted their guys. Bengals work together, but also Cooper Cup and oh, what's the receiver that Robert Woods. They had a competition all year on who could block better. Are you I kidding me? You're right. Cooper Cup won the that. triple crown, and he has a competition on if he could be the better blocker on the roster. Like, there is no villain. As a sports fan, <clears throat> both outcomes, the Rams winning, fantastic. The Bengals winning, fantastic. There's no villain between Stafford and Burrow. Both are unbelievably likable. So I, I, it feels not normal to me. All the Tom Brady Super Bowls, he became a villain just because he was so great, whether that's the right thing or wrong thing for him to be a villain. But 
I, can you think back to a Super Bowl where there was no true villain? I, I, I'm struggling to to think of one. Like uh, like the the Giants Patriots uh, Patriots undefeated season. That's definitely a villain and hero game. Oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, you're right. I think it's I, interesting. I think people and even with the Rams, they're not like a hateable franchise. They're not. No, like, not at all. Not at all. They were. They, they, I mean, talk about so, a, a team that has had some lows over the past twenty years. They've had some highs for sure, but some like the Sam Bradford years. Yikes. Oof. Poor Sam. Gosh, that was tough. The Jeff Fisher but, was the was the head honcho there. But like years ago, you know, there have been teams that have gone all in and and you know the dream team. Like I think of the Philadelphia Eagles years ago. They had a bunch of guys that they you know signed and veterans and all that. But like people root against that fan base. Whereas you're not really rooting against the LA fan base, other than now all the the, the celebrities that are hopping on the Rams bandwagon. Maybe you root against them. But yeah. um, but I think it's I, I think it's gonna be uh the storylines this week set up for a great Super Bowl. I am nervous that the Rams are significantly better in ways that set up for a potential blowout. Because I mentioned the offensive line for the Bengals, like that going up against an elite defensive oh, line I is mean. like that. That could be a nightmare for the Bengals. Like <laughs> Burrow could be running for his life, and they yes. just might not be able to keep up with the offense of the Rams, which they can score points. We know with Cooper Cup, nobody guards Coop. Nobody can guard Cooper Cup. No chance. Uh, fascinating. His ability ability to get open uh, is remarkable. Yeah. Um, you almost got to so, think if it's self-inflicted wounds. Because to the Bengals' credit, their halftime adjustments against Kansas, they went into Kansas City, and they were down 21-3. That could have gotten extremely ugly. And they responded. Now, Mahomes had some self-inflicted errors as well. I mean, the Chiefs threw away some things, and Stafford is capable of that. Stafford is kind of the wild, wild west gunslinger, and he he can throw them into some scary situations. But I think you're right. There's no question who the better team is, who the more talented team is, especially that front, like you said, the front seven, which determines so much in every football game ever played. The front seven has tremendous impact. I mean, you're an offensive line who gave up nine sacks against the Titans, and you're about to go face Von Miller and Aaron Donald. Oof. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. That, that Do is, any of those guys just oh. not show up on Sunday? They get, they get the ailment, the Super Bowl ailment. <laughs> ah, I can't play. I can't Sorry. play. Yeah. Oh. Gosh, you because a few years ago when the Panthers, they got dominated by that Broncos defense. Mm. Um, that offensive lineman, I won't throw him under the bus today. We'll be kind. But a Panther offensive lineman had a tough day. Tough day. It was like he was on skates. Back to the ice skating. It was like he was ice skating out there. Because <laughs> um, Von Miller was, uh, was just pushing him around. And so, yeah. that, so it's, it's nerve-wracking for the Bengals to have to deal with that. Yeah. Um, but again, and- it's, is there just some destiny here for the Bengals? I was I looked I saw a picture of the field, and just seeing Bengals in one of the end zones. It's just still so surreal to me. The Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Well, it's it's interesting because just a few years ago when the Eagles did it, that was that type of feel where you know you go up against the Patriots. Everybody expects the Patriots to win. Nick Foles, a backup quarterback. How in the world did that happen? And and I think hopefully they look at that film even to a certain extent. You got to have your own Philly special. You got to take some risks and chances. Yep. If you if you want to win, you got to go for the onside kick. Yep, that's yeah. right. 
and, and I assume the Rams will be looking for that kind of stuff, but you got to be willing to, to do some of that. I think, um, cause I, I th- on paper, the Rams should win, but that's what makes, that's what makes this play these playoffs. So fascinating. We have two, yep. four seeds. So we've already seen a ton of upsets and it's not like Matthew Stafford has won a super bowl, super bowl before. So mm-hmm. actually who's more successful really is Joe Burrow. He's got a national championship with the spotlight on him. He's at, he's had a bigger game that Matthew yeah. Stafford, that Georgia team, when he was in Georgia, I don't think they were yeah. to that, to that high level. I can't remember exactly, but they did, I know they didn't win a championship. So, yeah. Yeah. They didn't um, win a championship. So yeah. So, so Burrow should be ready. I think he'll handle the moment just fine. Yeah. Um, but will that, will that offensive line? So the more important questions today for our audience what are you looking for in the Super Bowl, and what is your approach to actually watching the game? What is your experience for the game? Are you a yes. Super Bowl party person? Do you want as many people as possible, uh, being as safe as possible, of course? And and do you would you rather go out somewhere, uh, you know, out to a restaurant or you know, and, and watch the game there with a bunch of random people? Uh, is it just you and the and the clicker? Actually, you don't even need to turn the channel, so it's just you and your well, and your recliner. I'm um, not going to let clicker slide. Uh, we're going to have to address that. Um, so this is a huge, con- it's an important conversation. So I'll you may have to switch back between ice skating and the game. That's right. That's right. Well, since there's been such a decline in Super Bowl commercials, I may have to. Um, just they sold out. They sold all their all their commercials out. Gosh, what was it like five million? A, a spot They're just not the same anymore. Outrageous. Maybe that's just growing up, and every commercial was funny as a kid, but. I don't know. It's, it seems different. But I was thinking uh, the other day, is there an event like the Super Bowl? Like, this is the biggest sporting event in the country. Like, regular season games make the top 10 on most televised events every year. The Super Bowl, the number one sporting event in regards to how many people are watching it in the country. No, it's oh, yeah. no question. People have parties for it. Non-football fans. It's a cultural thing to have a Super Bowl party. That well, is people celebrate Christmas and they don't believe in Jesus. So that's always interesting too. Very, it's like very interesting. They don't, they don't like football, but they like the Super Bowl. I know. So, so, so as a as a football fan, I struggle with this tension. So my my philosophy is: I want to be locked into the game. I want a I want a watching <clears throat> environment where I can have good access to the television. I want to be able to watch it. I want to pay attention. I don't want to just tune in every couple plays and be talking to people the whole time. I'm I'm full anti-social mode. I realize some people may not love that, but I just I want to watch every single play. That's just the way I like to watch sports. Now, I'm not anti-social all the time, but for big games, I want to watch it as much as possible. I'm paying attention to I'm going to be watching how's the offensive line doing. Other people, you're you're more social. You've talked about the I'm sport. Social, let's go. Let's you're social. Fun. Every couple plays, I'm tuning in. Hey, what's the score? Haven't seen, haven't watched in a couple minutes. I'm pounding some oh, barf dip over here. Easy, uh, easy. To make it seem like I'm 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 out ice skating. I'm I'm watching the game. Okay. We got to um, get a counter on ice skating jokes here. We're up to like four or five from you. On a, yeah. I, I'm probably never going to be able to live that down. Never. But I, I wonder for everyone listening or watching. What is your philosophy? Are you more like me? You want to watch every play? I try to avoid environments where I can't watch. Last year, the wife and I turned down an invite 
to a big uh, church watching party. There's going to be a couple hundred people there. Oh, and they're going to be playing it at the church. It, it's it. No offense to the invite. It, I'm sure it was a great time for me. It's a no hesitation. No, no. I, I, I want to be able to watch the game. Not I'm waiting in line to get some chili and there's a big screen, uh, but I'm also having to be on socially. I don't know. Yeah. That, that's just my perspective. Brother Jim wants to talk to you, and he's he's got a story to tell you. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So tough. I did. I just want to avoid those environments because I'll get pulled. Like I don't want to be a jerk. Like if I'm in an environment, someone wants to talk to me, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna to talk to you. So I want to avoid the environment because I know I'm not gonna be Mister Jerk Guy. I'm not gonna give you the cold shoulder, hey, uh, dude. I'm watching the game. No, hey, you want to talk? I'm talking to you. So I'm just gonna yeah. avoid the environment altogether. So my key to my sports watching at this point in my life, I've learned over many years, is control your environment to the best of your ability. So I have designed a man cave to maximize my sports viewing, and I invite very intentionally people that I want to watch with. So knowing kind of their style of watching to complement mine. So, so you that control means, by hosting. You play the role of host. I want to host. So I'm inviting. So who, who's in, who's out. And I don't like the big talker. I'm the big talker. So I like listeners. That, it's all about that, me. That can engage. Now, now this sounds like I'm <laughs> selfish. That's yeah. not, just more, more people that want to, you know. That, yeah, that you, you don't want multiple. You don't want a bunch of big talkers. Like, hey, dude, can we watch the game? I'm trying to watch the game. Yeah, here. true, true. So. If I'm the biggest talker, then I can control it and go, whoa, all right, I'm talking too much. Let's, you know, let's chill out. True, true. But you can't control someone else who's too much of a talker. So yeah. that, that's usually my my strategy. And I, I've been kind of hosting my own Super Bowl party for, for a while. But it, I, I, I even put party in quotes because it's small a small gathering. Yeah. Um, and usually the non-sports fans, I encourage to watch the game in another room. So they can they can be in another. We have another TV made available for them. We'll even give them the food access. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Huh. I may have to make the trip upstairs to get what you alluded to, barf dip, which is a Super Bowl tradition. I can't uh, wait favorite, to try it one day. Favorite homemade dip. Two ingredients, deliciousness. Um, <laughs> that, that definitely makes, makes the party great. Um, so, all right, for those of you listening, let us know your, your Super Bowl strategy. It's a, it's a conversation and question that, that must be evaluated each year. And I do think depending on the teams, you know, if, if it's the Panthers team, if we've been in two Super Bowls, you know, you want to, there's a different strategy there um, versus well, the whole I'm, mindset's different. Fan. If your team's yeah. in the Super Bowl, you're stressed oh. the whole game. You're, it's, yeah. it's high stress. Now, that's a, a fantastic, whatever that feels like. Obviously, I don't know what that feels like in my lifetime as a Cowboys fan, but that's just a whole nother, uh, there's no socializing going on. And if you're playing role of host, interesting question here. Do you only invite fans of your team? So if the Panthers are in the Super Bowl, how many non-Panther uh, Panther fans are you inviting into the man cave? Zero. Yeah. Zero. 100%. I even, I even would – like I don't want – yeah, I don't even necessarily want to watch it with diehard fans of a team that I'm, I'm not going to root for. I'm not going to watch it with like Falcons fans or something like that either. Because mm-hmm. years ago I actually rooted for the Patriots – in that Super Bowl against the, the Falcons. And I think that's my favorite Super Bowl ever. When the when the Patriots came back 28 to 3, 
That yeah. was an unbelievable experience as a fan. Like I was, I became a fan that day of the Patriots just because I got so involved in that game to witness that comeback. That was yeah. remarkable. Um, my was- my favorite Super Bowl is the whatever year it was Steelers Cardinals, the Kurt Warner Cardinals Super one. Bowl, because I, I was day. rooting hard for the Cardinals and they scored well the pick six with James Harrison, unbelievable. But then the Cardinals Cardinals score late. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald scores late. I'm like, Fitzgerald's going to get a Super Bowl. Warner's going to get another one. But then the Santonio Holmes catch, the throw. There was, there's never been a better toe-tap catch than the Roethlisberger to Santonio Holmes in the corner of the end zone to win the game. That Super Bowl was unbelievable. Man. So yeah, I just no, went for worked. a close game. Give me a close game. I'm all in. I had a, actually, I, I, was, I was still in college then. I had a fun, fun Super Bowl party for that one. That was a good one. Um, made my barf dip for that, I think. So, all right, that was a great game. And John Madden was on that call. That was his last game. So I watched that. The was other it day. really? That was his last that call. game. Huh. Yeah, on NBC. Um, all right, so we could talk Super Bowl. We may even, I don't know, we may we'll even do another episode this week. We'll see. Um, <laughs> so much we, to talk about. Barely scratched the surface. Um, also, I wanted to talk coaching carousel today. I got a lot of thoughts on the, the Brian Flores situation and, and uh, multiple things bubbled up from this topic. And I, I just don't think we have enough time today to, to unpack it all. Uh, but this will be an ongoing conversation. Um, and so my, why I'm convinced there shouldn't be a draft or there, yeah, there shouldn't be a draft is because of the tanking. This whole you know, idea that teams do tank, that they benefit for tanking, just get rid of the draft. Joe Burrow still goes to the Cincinnati Bengals, whether there's a draft or not, because the Bengals needed a quarterback and Joe Burrow wanted, actually wanted to go to Cincinnati. And he's from Ohio. So he's from Ohio. Yeah. So, and, and Trevor Lawrence, uh, where would he have gone? Uh, maybe not Jacksonville, but uh, the Jets this, maybe would have gone to the Jets. Yeah. He was still would have gone somewhere where he could have been a starter. So that's, again, this is another this topic. This is a fat, my, my, my quick 30 second response. Fascinating conversation on the, just the setups between like a international soccer, it's like English premier league, no draft. It's just big clubs. You just spend money. And there's no cap. There's no cap. I still there's like no, the there's cap. no cap, but I like the cap. I like in the a, cap. in a, in a, in a league with a salary cap and a draft are, is there as much parity? Like we've talked about this before. Why are the lions always bad? In theory, there's a draft and there's a salary cap. So I don't know the I don't know this. I would I would love to research this and talk about it another day on is there actually a big impact on parity with salary cap and draft versus a league that has none of those? There's there's certainly differences, but again, the Lions are still bad. The Jaguars are still really bad. The Texans, yeah, they had some good years, but quickly go to bad again. And then there's other franchises that seem to always be relevant. Very fascinating. So not sure what the answer is, but very fascinating. Yeah, and then it, it almost turns into recruiting. So you have to compare a little bit to, to college on that on that regard. Um, Especially in the NBA, when you can move. No draft. Recruiting yeah. seems to be big there, players. Yeah, but I'm saying right out. I mean, if they came right out of mm. college, you would recruit them to that franchise. Yes, yeah. So that'd be, that'd be fascinating. So anyway, that, that was one of the things. And then um, – yeah, I have a lot of other other thoughts on kind of the, the the Rooney rule and where the NFL is heading. And I I think a couple of things. White players and coaches 
have to be more involved in the conversation because they're the ones that can help create change. It can't only be former black coaches. It can't just be Tony Dungy yeah. that's speaking on this topic if they want to see real change. Yep. And, and, and so I think the more pressure that fans can put on owners because the owner, because in many ways, I still think owners should make their own choices. Like they need to hire who they, they want to hire, but they need to feel the pressure and, and their hearts and minds ultimately need to change. And really only Jesus can, can do that. Um, but on a secondary level, their, their attitudes have to change as kind of their process for how they decide to, to hire based on some of the pressure from other, other head coaches in the league that, that, you know, if, if it's a, let's say it's a white head coach and he's got a, a black de- defensive coordinator, well, then he needs to go to bat, which I think some of them do, but they have to be the ones that can really be the spokesman and say, no, you got to hire this guy. This guy's an unbelievable leader in our locker room and he's yeah. ready. He's ready. He's been under my tutelage and he is ready for his own job. Yeah. And, and players have to speak up and say, man, this guy's an unbelievable coach. And, and which I think they've done, to, you know, they've tried to, but that has to be part of that con- continuous conversation. And then same with the media. It can't just be black media members that are the only ones passionate about this topic and yep. speaking to it and saying, hey, whoa, 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 what about this? What about that? Have we considered this? Asking questions, doing research, having, you know, honest conversations. All of that has to happen. Um, and so t- to where we, we stop getting to this, this point where we're like, wait, why is Brian Flores being fired? What's going on? And, and all these, a lot of layers of, of just kind of issues and brokenness that we got to get to the bottom of it. And so we, as fans, we know that the league is, man, this is a great league. They're, they're putting the best coaches out there. And, and I was reading something about Tony from Tony Dungy because in the league, they used to not have the best players because they didn't have black players in the league. So they didn't even have the best players. Oh, we got the best, best product. No, you don't. Cause you don't, you're, discriminating against a certain color. And so now it's like, wait, do we have the best coaches out there? Eh, maybe not. Some of the, you know, the, some of these coaches that even get hired at 35, let's say even a white coach, if they've been a coordinator or they've been in the league a number of years, yeah. Okay. Maybe they've earned it, but sometimes these coaches get a job and they haven't even been around very long. Um, yeah. So anyway, I could go on and on. Well, I, I got a lot of thoughts yeah, on just it, to so. piggyback it. It's just logical in any, in any environment, if there's a group that is, either persecuted or discriminated or has less opportunity, if they're the only one speaking up, nothing will ever change. So, so logically, the people who have more opportunity in any environment have to speak up for the group that has less opportunity in order for change to happen. So yeah. agree with everything you said. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point on the coaching influence on GMs and, and owners going to bat for other coaches that they coach with like what better voice to speak up for for a coach like yeah. there is there is no better voice like someone writing for the athletic or someone writing for cbs on the accolades of a black coach yeah that's great but a coach who coached under or over or with a black coach there is there any better person to go to bat for them so i think that's a great perspective on how important that is well, and then and white coaches have to have a diverse staff too. Yeah. So and, and Tampa Bay, I mean, that's they seem to be yeah. the leaders in that. And, and here's the thing: Bruce Arians is intentional about it. He's not doing it just to do it, but he's being intentional. He's like, wait, Todd Bowles, yeah, he's a great coach. Yeah, I'm gonna, Leftwich, I'm gonna give him a try. fantastic. 
gave gave Leftwich a, a chance and said, hey, because he must have coached. He was with them, I think, in Arizona. Yeah, and so he brought him to Tampa Bay. But but they've they've got to do that. And I I'm not in favor of mandates or like you have to hire a certain number of guys. I don't. I, I, to me, that that's not changing the. Not that you can change the hearts of guys, but to me, you you want to earn it and give guys a chance. But it's more about being intentional. Are you being intentional about it? Um, and that goes for all of us in, in life. Are we intentional about the people that we're interacting with? Um, and the people that we're going out to dinner with or, or having to over to our house. And, oh, yeah, I've got people that are you know, a little bit different than me and being intentional about it. And so if a, yeah. if a head coach is putting – if a white head coach is putting together a staff, looking around and go, all right, I got way too many old guys. I got way too many young guys. Or I got way too many white guys. You know, it's like let me let me get some different perspectives in our in our coaching room, yeah. um, in all of our coaching rooms. And if they're not already doing that, that's they're, that's, they're, they're missing it. What are they doing? Be intentional about it. And, and so I think that plays out for us uh, us as well. So that's a good challenge for all of us. Yep. Um, all good points. I agree with it. All right. Let's, uh, let's, say, uh, let's say hello to Henry. I'm, I'm sure Henry's – got some, some thoughts on this. Sorry, we should have brought you, brought you in on this. Uh, I, I just got going and I didn't stop. So preach. <laughs> I'm, ready. I'm, I'm ready to go downstairs to my wife and get the collection plate. Where are, we sending all the t- where are we sending all the tithes and offerings to now? Unpacking uh, ministries. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey. No, but but I but I echo and I touch and agree as we like to say in Christianity. I touch and agree with um with all of that because um there's a reason why and take a, a law analogy. There's a reason why justice is blind. We're not we're not going about who who the color of the person is. We're going off of a merit. This is supposed to be a meritocracy. It's supposed to be who is the best person for the job regardless. Now I'm a Giants fan and I'm going to ride with my Giants because the players don't really have anything to do with this. But um, Brian Flores brought up a, a very touchy topic that a lot of people don't like to talk about and they kind of want to shy away from, but it takes something drastic as this to bring it to the forefront. What do we keep saying? Everything that is done in darkness is going to come to light. Well, I don't I don't know how much of a brighter spotlight the NFL is getting as of right now, because yeah. now you have to pay attention to it. Now you have to pay attention to the fact that it's not just Brian Flores talking about this. It's Hugh Jackson talking about this. It's Marvin Lewis talking about this. This is something that's been ongoing for the longest time. The Rooney rule was supposed to be put in place so that we can promote diversity. Now it's just a joke to a lot of people. Yeah. At the time, yeah. at the time that the Rooney Rule was put in, there were three African American coaches. Today there is one. So that means that in in the decade that the Rooney Rule has been in place, or the more than a decade, we've regressed. And no disrespect to Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is also a minority, and so we definitely want to give him his props and everything like that. But the Rooney Rule is the the Rooney rule is being the spirit of the Rooney rule is, is tainted because all we're doing is what we say is putting our boys on. I'm in a, I'm in a position. And so I'm going to put my boy on because he thinks like me. But the problem is, is that we're not, we're not, we're supposed to be able to pick up each other. Bible says, what was the person who does not have anybody to pick them up? And so what we're doing is that by hiring just the white people, hiring the white people, you're cutting off an entire race of people, not just an entire race of people. You're t- you're cutting off an entire group of people who are just as qualified 
and in some cases even more qualified to do the job that is that you want them to do. So I think this whole conversation would be a failure if we didn't, if we, if we didn't allow it to cause us to look inward. So Bryce hinted on this earlier, but if we're just, if we just, if all we do is sit here and throw shots at the NFL, oh, they got to make these changes. They got to make these, make, make these changes. But it, in, in any environment we walk into, it starts with us. So great. The conversation's being had in the NFL, but how can we look in our own lives? Like Bryce, you'd even talked about um, like age. If, if a coach brings in oh, too many old guys, I need young guys. Well, yeah, absolutely. You want to surround yourself with different perspectives, but right. who are we? Yeah. Bryce said, who are we going to dinner with? Who am I spending my time with? Am I calling for the NFL to make whatever change necessary but yet in my own life, I'm not doing anything. So I think this is a great opportunity to why not now look at our, look at our own lives on who are we surrounding ourselves with? Are there different perspectives? Am I only hanging around people my age? Am I only hanging around people with the same skin color? Am I only hanging around people with the same uh, education? It's like me in seminary. Am I only hanging around seminary guys? Because if Ooh, I am, I that not. would be a <laughs> whole other conversation. Um <laughs> But that would, that would be a huge coffee. That's right. <laughs> that would be a huge miss, though, if I'm only around seminary guys. But it takes it takes an active effort to seek out people different from you, to seek out people that aren't in your vicinity, because we all hang around people that are close to us geographically and that look like us. That's probably our natural. Uh, that's probably what we naturally go to. But it takes effort to surround yourself with different perspectives, people that look differently, people that live in different places. So I just think it would be a huge miss if we didn't think, okay, well, how individually am I trying to do things that I want the NFL to do, whatever that looks like. There you go. That's good. And take, and, right. and take a look at this podcast. And for people that for people that are, aren't on the live podcast, uh, you've got two you've got two Caucasians and one African American talking about race. It's possible. It's possible for us to talk about this. Now, the reason why we can all talk about it is because of the fact that regardless of our skin color, God made us in in his own image and likeness. So in that case, going to Luke's point, we're talking about it because we all touch and agree with the fact that this has to change. And if we and if we as as men can do it and if we can recognize where where the where the opportunities are, then that's just a start. It's up to us. It's up to it's up to us with gentlemen like you and myself to go out and like God says in the highways and the hedges and tell them, look, this problem needs to be addressed, whether it's football, whether it's sports, whether it's in the business world. This is something that has to be addressed along all walks of life. And it takes it takes conversations like this to get it going. Yeah. And, you know, I don't even know what the answer is as far as what the end goal is, but. Like, does it mean that they're the half the league is minority and, and half the league isn't? I, you know, I don't know what the number is. And I don't I don't know if that's necessarily the answer. But, you know, the Texans just hired Lovey Smith and uh, the, the Dolphins just hired uh, Mike McDaniel, uh, which is a, a fascinating hire um, for a number of yeah. reasons coming from San Francisco. Um, and so, yeah, it seems like, you know, may, maybe the this coaching carousel will be a little bit different than how it started. Um, but I think it's more important just the layers of uh, questionable activity that's taking place with the ownership of the NFL and how that trickles down that I think we as fans and, and the media and other people associated with the sport 
have to hit it hit it head on. Yeah. Well, it's it's certainly not simple. And maybe this is just a cynical outlook. It's just it's not simple, but it's an owner driven league. So unless they do something, then is anything going to really be changed? And again, maybe that's just a cynical outlook. But I feel like nothing nothing changes if nothing changes with the owners. Uh, True, and that may take you a long time because long time, long time to get perhaps hopefully hopefully not. But it's yeah, it's just not. It's it's a very like the on pay, like what we want diversity that's not a gray area it's either like you either want diversity or you don't but to get there very nuanced tons of gray area mm-hmm. and again yeah what the solution is no idea no idea yeah i think it's just like we got to move to the point where like guys aren't getting hired or fired that are like just question it's like wait what wait Brian Flores was fired was that yeah. there's enough no job? brainer hires and fires out there yeah. for to for to to not have so many again questionable ones like wait really and and then and like wait that guy didn't get a job or wait that guy was hired just to lose like, <laughs> yeah. that was the point and like even the, I mean the Texans are so like I, I don't even know what to make of them they fired David Cully yet they kept Lovey Smith that was on that same uh, yeah, coaching staff uh, a lot of questions that, that was that was confusing to me uh, and Lovey Smith has been in college the last five years so um, yeah, had no idea about that. But they were also yeah. looking at McCown, who has no coaching experience. So it's very confusing. It was just, it was so I, I didn't understand that he was in, he was a fighting Illini for so long, and then all of a sudden, just when you thought he wasn't coming back, well, well, here he is now. Now he's a head coach. Now he's a head coach in the oh. NFL again, and not no. and not to mention um, the Giants. For whatever reason, however you what you want to categorize it, they just hired a new uh, assistant general manager. Uh, in the man of Brandon Brown, who is African-American. They had longtime GM Kevin Abrams, and they kind of moved him to the to the business side of they moved him to the business side of the operations. Now that I think they gave him a title of vice president of football operations administration and administration. So they kind of moved him over to the business side. And now they brought in Brandon Brown from what I hear is a rising star rising in the ranks of football operations. So Call it whatever you want to call it, but if we didn't have this conversation, that transaction doesn't happen. Yeah. I will say, I said uh, poor Texans fans, but I just have to be neutral here. They do have more playoff wins uh, in the last, like, 26 years than the Cowboys. So, uh, <laughs> which, how? Hirings. I think, I, I think I'm almost taking the identity. I have no Cowboys pride. I am totally okay saying it is a trash can what's going on over here. But hey, Jerry Jones, great businessman and marketer. I, I, I'm just going to feed the conspiracy that everything he does is for clicks, and that's his goal. Because winning football is oh, anyway another day. I don't want to get on that. <laughs> that's so a conversation far. for another time, huh? That's right. All right. Well, yeah, this is a, an ongoing conversation, and, and unfortunately, I was actually reading and watching something from a year ago with Tony Dungy, uh, Jim Caldwell, uh, the old Falcons GM Rich McKay. I think Rich McKay. Um, so anyway, but it was like a similar conversation. Now it's a year later and it's like, ah, things moved forward. So hmm. there's gotta be some action and, and hopefully the league is, is actually taking this, this seriously from Brian Flores, not just disregarding it as somebody who's disappointed about being fired, fired. I think there's, there's a lot more to this. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's fat. It's, it is a fascinating thing to, to really look at all the, the layers to it. So I think doing some research for all of us is, is important. I was reading about just different things today. So. Uh, it's eye-opening. All right, we've probably run out of time for tap drill, uh, but glad we brought Henry on for for this conversation. Um, 
So we'll 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 talk about the trade deadline, the NBA trade deadline, which I know I know Luke and I at least are diehards about that. I'm not sure. Maybe the Knicks will make a move, Henry. Oh, um, I'm 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 hoping that they make a move. I'm right okay. there with you guys. Yeah, all right. So you're right there with us. Uh, and then we'll we'll talk more Olympics next week. College basketball, of course, heating up. Uh, the Pro Bowl, we don't even need to talk about. That was oh, uh, garbage. Even though Justin Herbert, him winning the MVP is just another reason why I love Herbert. Like well, because yeah. he's a baller. Let's go. Yeah, he's a baller. And Micah Parsons actually tackling people. Uh, there you go. That's what he's we love Parsons. him in Dallas. Yeah. So and Henry loves him too. That's his. That's Henry's guy. <laughs> that's his boy. That's, that, that, that's, that's his my boy. guy. Uh, if I, if <laughs> yeah. I had to love any Dallas Cowboy, it's going to be Micah Parsons. Now I will say this next. So they're going to announce Thursday the Player Awards, MV, offensive MVP, yeah, all that. that. NFL so honors. next week, I'm going to have a huge rant if. Uh, Cooper Cup does not win offensive MVP. If Jonathan Taylor wins it over Cooper Cup, be ready for a rant because uh, stay tuned yeah. for that, folks. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Right. Triple crown, right. man. Come on. There we go. Let's let's go. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad to see uh, Lovey Smith back in the league. Uh, but it's just that, that was a confusing. The, a the lot of very uh, confusing. It just make can you believe that Bears team. Shout out to our our, our boy Kaz, big Bears yeah. fan. I, that I think Bears I team. Lovey, I mentioned him a couple weeks ago, or I was in some conversation. We did, yeah. We're talking about Rex Grossman. That what was that? 2000, uh, 2009. Whatever the Colts won the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah it was, 2000, I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Love so, Smith. He's he's uh he's got a huge beard now. A lot. His face has changed so much since the Bears left the NFL job. and came back with a beard. Yeah, very interesting. Silver Fox. Yeah, it's so gray. Before we get out of here, let's do the MetaShare moment of the week. And we have to get our golf talk in. And this, of course, the moment of the week was Jordan Spieth on hole number eight on over the weekend. I get maybe it was Saturday that this happened. Um, he's standing on the cliff on oh, yeah. uh, Pebble Beach. And, I mean, it's a little like he's kind of out of bounds. And so you were watching this live, Luke. But yeah. he, he, I mean he's one slip away from ending going off a cliff and yet he yeah. hit the ball. Yes. He hit it pretty solid. He actually hit it over the green, but, but this to me is just a remarkable scene and situation. Yeah. And I was getting a little like um, butterflies just watching. Oh, it. no doubt. It was terrifying. Like you watch okay. him, he hits a shot and then runs backwards. Like this isn't like a little drop off. This is a cliff. Like, I don't even want to discuss the things that could have happened. Like that's that was dangerous. My yeah. mom, I was watching. It, my mom sent me a picture. I'm like, I know. Can you believe that? The aerial shot. Go look it up if you haven't seen it. Jordan Spieth, Pebble Beach Cliff. The aerial shot of where he was standing. A, a matter of a step, and he's going off a cliff. Yeah. And Why I didn't think allow of, him to do this. I, I guess it's his call. I wonder oh. if he could have gotten relief, but yeah, no, that was that was absolutely bonkers. That was uh, like objectively dangerous. Yes, it's go, so dangerous. Go go look it up. It's uh, gosh, yeah, and the fact that he had a good shot, like he didn't, he still got it close enough to the green. Like how how amazing is that? <laughs> I'm missing lost, the ball every time. If I had that shot, it's strike one, strike two, strike three. No oh chance. Goodness. Well, if I really had that shot, I'm picking it up and going to the next hole. I'm not, I'm not even taking that shot. Because how do you even focus on the ball? Oh. I, like even the announcer was like, I, I, I didn't even look at the, 
I was looking at Spieth. He didn't even know where yeah. the ball went. He was just making sure Spieth was okay. Oh, yeah. Gosh. So there you go. That's a, the MetaShare moment of the week. Thanks to MetaShare. They're our presenting sponsor here on Unpacking It. Uh, go to MetaShare.com slash Unpacking It to, to find out if, if they're the, the right solution for you. MetaShare is a biblical, affordable alternative to health insurance. And my wife and I have been members for, for over five years and so encourage you to check it out. All right. Well, there's today's show. A little long, but uh, that was fun. So much to get to. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We will recap it all next Monday. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about the commercials. We'll talk about the food. All of it next Monday to Eastern here on the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. For Luke and Henry, I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. The challenge today, let's live unselfish lives. Let's follow Jesus and live unselfish lives and ask him to take away our selfishness, reveal that selfishness in our lives, and, and help us to, to think about others more than ourselves and really serve others. And it's, a, it's, it's quite the challenge. It's hard, but let's, uh, let, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's pursue that. And uh, hold, hold each other accountable with that as well. Have a great one. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MetaShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.